God bless you. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Easter at New Hope. We are so glad that you are here today. In fact, if today is your first time, or if it's your first time in a while, or if you're here all the time, you are welcome here today. We're glad you're here. Some of you might uh, be here because it's a, an Easter holiday weekend, so you wanted to show off the new duds you bought this week, you know? Um, maybe some of you are here because it's a tradition to come to church on Easter. Maybe some of you are here because you're just trying to keep your mama off your back. Um, whatever reason you're here, we're really glad that you chose to join us this morning and all of you online as well. Thank you for joining us. We are so glad to be together to celebrate. You see, for those of us that are Christians, those of us that are committed and followers of Jesus, this is so much more than just a holiday. This is not just a traditional thing for us. This is the commemoration and the celebration of the fact that we have a savior that came and died and paid the debt that we could not pay and he rose again on the third day and we are his people. And it is such a glorious thing. Uh, and you might be thinking, well, you know, what, uh, what's the debt that I had to pay that he paid for me? It was the debt of sin. You see, the Bible tells us that we are all born into sin. The moment sin came into the world, through the first humans, Adam and Eve, way, way back. Ever since then, every one of us is born into that sin nature. You don't have to learn how to sin. You don't have to learn how to be selfish, right? If any of you ever had a kid, you know it does not, the kids don't have to learn selfishness. They get it really quick, they get it innately, right? Because that is how we, that is the DNA that we have now when we are apart from God in our life. And so we are, we are excited to celebrate the fact that we don't have to live like that because of what Jesus has done for us. He came and paid that price. He was the one that brought uh, sep the, the separation that was between us and God. It closed in that chasm so that we could have a relationship with him. In fact, he's the only one in the universe that could have done that. And he chose to do it for you and me. And uh, you know, we celebrate Jesus every week here at New Hope. I celebrate him all the time. I celebrate him every day in his resurrection, and I thank him for it. Because if it wasn't for the empty tomb, what we're doing here doesn't have a lot of purpose to it. But in April, it's a little extra special because of Easter Sunday, because the, the world, really, many people in the world recognize that this is a time to celebrate our risen Savior. And here at New Hope this month, we've been, uh, as Kel said, we're doing a series this month just called Jesus Is. We're celebrating Jesus this whole month. And it's, uh, it's Jesus is, and then there's a blank. And we're trying to talk about all the things that Jesus is over four weeks. Obviously, we can't talk about them all, but we've been talking about a lot of what Jesus is and who he is. And today, he's right. It's all about Jesus is risen. And Jesus is the resurrection and the life. Jesus proclaimed that that's who he is. And we know that he is that. Not only did he resurrect, he also resurrects us and gives us life. Because I don't know if you know this or not, but before Jesus comes into our life, we are dead, spiritually speaking. Not physically, but spiritually. In fact, the Apostle Paul put it very, very well in Ephesians chapter two, in verse one, he says, as for you, and he's talking about all of us, including himself, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. So we're not sick or ill, we're not in need of a doctor. He's saying you're dead and you're in need of a savior. So that's why we couldn't pay our own debt because we were dead. Dead people don't pay debts. And then he goes on to say in verses four and five, 
He said, but because of his great love for us, this is the why, this is why Jesus did what he did. Because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in transgressions, it is by grace you have been saved. That's the gospel summed up in just a couple short verses. The fact that we were dead, Jesus came, died, rose again, and gave us life, and we are saved through the grace of God in our life. As we live for him, as we receive him, and receive not, not just receive the story and believe the story, but live our life for him. You know, one of the lingering questions as a pastor for me that I think about often is why it is that some people will embrace this story, this great love story. They will embrace this idea that we need a savior and will throw their life in and go all in on Jesus, right? And just live for Jesus, not perfectly, but really excited about living their life for Jesus. And then you have other people that can hear the same exact story, but they have trouble connecting with it. Maybe even become skeptical in their faith or even cynical in their faith and what that even looks like in their life. There's, there's so many different responses to this story and it's perplexing sometimes why some people are all ready to go all in and some are struggling. Can I tell you today that if you're struggling in your faith, that that's okay? Your, your doubt, your skepticism does not offend God. But his desire is that that doubt and those questions that you have would cause you to draw nearer to him, not pull away. That's the difference between those that are all in on Jesus and those that are kind of staying on the outside looking in. You know, skepticism towards the church especially is kind of the flavor of the day. You're seeing it all over society, right? Tons of skeptics in society, and some for good reason, right? Because it seems like every month right now we're seeing another Christian leader fall into sin. And you're seeing hypocrisy rampant throughout the church. People that say one thing and do another, right? Judgmentalism everywhere, all over the place. And what that can do is it can feed the preconceptions that many people have that keep them from really putting their faith in God. But can I tell you today, I am not standing up here today to ask you to put your faith in a church. I'm not asking you to put your faith in New Hope. I'm not asking you to put your faith in me. I'm asking you to put your faith in Jesus. Because I can tell you, no matter how good a person somebody is, they're going to fail you. Because we, nobody is perfect. So our faith is not meant to be put in people, it's meant to be put in Jesus because he is the only one who will never fail you. He's the only one that can say truthfully, I will never leave you, I will never ever forsake you. And he can mean it and he can stand behind it because he's got a really, really good track record. And he's done it for a long, long time. Our faith is meant to be in him. And for some of us, I think it's such a challenge because maybe you're here today and you kind of dip your toes in the water of faith, right? Maybe you get in the water of faith, but you kind of stay in the shallow end. That way you can get out whenever you feel like you need to, right? You get kind of get in and out. You kind of get in when you need something from God, but then you get back out and you can't figure out why you can't really be all in on Jesus. Well, can I tell you today, you're not really... You cannot reap the benefits of a life lived for Jesus without being all in. There's a lot of you, what you'll never experience without being fully committed to Jesus. That's what this Christian life is about. It's not about saying a prayer and then going on your way. It's about letting him 
infiltrate every part of your life. I liken it sometimes to a, taking a test drive with a car, right? You say you go to a dealership, you're interested in a car, you go to a Mercedes dealership, you pick out the nicest one in there. You say, I wanna test drive this thing. And they give you the keys and they go and you go test drive this thing and you feel like a million bucks because you're driving this beautiful car, right? You're getting to experience some of the niceties of this car, but at the end of the day, you're still gonna have to take that car back and give those keys back to that salesman. You really don't have any commitment. You're just kind of riding around test driving this thing. And you're not really gonna get to experience all the benefits this car has to offer without fully committing, without signing your name on that dotted line and being all in on this car. And it is the exact same way in our faith. I think too often times we wanna test drive our faith. We wanna just kinda stay on the outside or on the fringe looking in and we look at the people that are fully committed and passionate about Jesus and we think they're kinda weird. And some of them are. It doesn't mean Jesus is weird. It's just our response to it sometimes, right? Again, we're not looking to put our faith in people, we're putting our faith in Jesus. Skepticism is nothing new today, even though we're seeing it a lot. It was rampant in Jesus' day. In fact, Jesus was, uh, there was one point where he was walking around, he was healing people, he was doing things, and he was ministering, and he was doing all kinds of wonderful things, and people in his own town would look at him and say, that guy can't be the Messiah, that's Joseph's kid, the carpenter. There's no way that guy is God incarnate, right? Tons of skeptics that did not believe he was who he said he was. And even when he was on the cross, it says that there were people jeering at him, yelling at him, saying, if you're really the Messiah, come down off that cross, then we will believe. How many of us have done that in our life? Said, God, if you're really real, I want you to come into this situation that I have here, and I want you to fix it for me, and then I'll believe. That's not really how God works in our life. In fact, Jesus even had a, it was a challenge for him to even convince his disciples that he was who he said he was. In the book of John, he's telling his disciples, he says, hey, in a little bit, I'm actually gonna go away and then I'm gonna come back. And he was referring to the fact that he was about to go die on a cross and he was gonna rise three days later. And it says in verse 29 of John 14, he says, I have told you now, so before, it ha I told you now before it happens so that when it does happen, you will believe. So Jesus even was telling them what was going to happen so that they would believe in him because even with his disciples, it was a challenge for him to convince them of who he actually was. Can I tell you, you're not the first to be skeptical or to have doubts. You're not the first to hesitate or wonder if all this is true or if this is just something that we do to kind of make us feel good about ourselves a little bit, maybe to help our conscience just a little bit. But I'm here today to encourage you, to challenge you, I can tell you we've been praying for all of you for weeks for these three services that we had today that God would plow up the ground of your heart and plant the seed in your life that would germinate and produce fruit. Because that's his call for each and every one of us that we would produce fruit in our life. Because it's, it's easy to think, well, you know, if, if, how can this really be real? It just seems too good to be true, right? The God of the universe that created the whole expanse and the whole all the galaxies, everything in the whole universe, he created it all, he's so huge, he's so holy, he's so perfect, he's always been, and here's little old me, little old us, and he came all the way down to earth as a person for the purpose of suffering a brutal death. How would he do that, or why would he do that for little old me? Well, can I tell you today, that's what makes him so great. That's exactly what makes him so amazing. That's what makes him so worthy of our worship and of our life. 
is because he did come and do that for little old you. And that you were on his mind. The Bible says that for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. You can know that you were that joy that was set before him. That's why he went to the cross. That what separates Christianity from every other religion is that you didn't have to do anything to deserve him coming to die for you. You didn't have to do anything. In fact, in Romans 5, the Apostle Paul tells us, in verse 6, he says, you see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for us. And he died for the ungodly. I'm going to let you know a little secret today. The ungodly, that's you. And that's me. We're the ungodly. That word could, might as well just be everybody, because none of us are deserving of it. But man, is that so freeing to know that God died for me even though I'm ungodly. Because all of us know inside the crevices of our heart that we're not good. I know my heart. I don't know yours. I know mine. And I know the deep crevices that I can hide from you. I know the pride that's in my heart. I know the insecurity that's in my heart. I know the selfishness that's in my heart. I know the lust that's in my heart. I know the, the instant gratification desires that are in my heart. The uncaringness that's in my heart sometimes. I know all of that. So when I hear that I got a God that loves me, that died for me, that wants to save me, even though I don't deserve it, that's very free. To know that he did all of this for me. And if God is so holy, and the only way to be with him is to match his holiness, I know that the only way I'm going to do that is if he sees me through the lens of Jesus. By the blood of Jesus that covers me. He sees us through that lens, and that's why we can be in relationship with him. Because of what he did. Church, there are Hundreds of stories in this room today. Every one of us has a story. And God's desire for each and every one of our stories is that the journey we go on through this story of our life would lead us to him. Let's watch Kyle's story. I'm Kyle Mathis, and I'm 32 years old. So I grew up uh, in Augusta, Georgia, uh, off of Boy Scout Road. And... Uh, I grew up, I was, I was pretty wild when I grew up, always as a, as a kid and everything like that. Um, up my parents, I mean, they were, it was a, uh, I had a good childhood and everything. Uh, my parents didn't really like click that much, I guess, in marriage. But when I was younger, I mean, he was a, he was a good dad, but there's times, you know, that I, it, he, he was just, you know, different. He wasn't saved, he didn't go to church. My mom didn't go to church. Uh, my grandparents did. So uh, they um, <clears throat> they uh, would bring me and my sister to Sunday school uh, some. But once I got a certain age, I didn't really uh, go anymore. But a lot of people back then knew me as going out, and I knew everybody as going out and drinking and drugs and everything that came with that territory, pretty much. At a certain point, me and a, some of the group of friends that I hung out with almost that we celebrated that kind of stuff. But every now and then, I would just pick up, because I, I was interested. Uh, I would pick up the Bible just to, I was interested in like what people thought about it. I would even be like, you know, read like, are you kidding me? Like, this is, this is kind of contradictory here. You, they say you can't even cut the corners of your beard. And of course, I had no idea what I was talking about. <laughs> you know, you try to, you try to justify it. You try to justify your shame by looking for contradictions or your little half-truths or what you think is true instead of what God shows you is true. And then I got a job through the union hall, and I went to SRS. When I went to SRS, you go to a crew and everything like that. So 
Joe was actually on my first crew ever in the tray. I remember walking in, meeting Joe, and there's a couple of times where I, where I actually worked, I guess you could say for Joe, because I was his apprentice, him and this guy named Don Hamilton. Don was a, was a pastor or an ex-pastor, I don't know. And him and Joe would talk about things. And at that point in my life, I was just like, what are they talking about? Like, it didn't bother me too much or anything like that. Uh, but I wasn't interested, probably because I, I felt like a little bit like intimidated by God, really. Like, like there was some shame there. I left that job and I went to another job out at Vogel. So I see Joe come in to work and he was working in the same unit I had. That's a big sight. And I'm like, man, I've been meaning to talk to Joe or to someone about someone that knows the Bible. And I'm looking at the Bible and I'm reading it and it's not, some of it's not making sense. So I started asking Joe some questions. I saw Joe and I was like, hey, let me ask you a question. I could tell he was like, okay, you know? So he started giving me a little bit of information. And I'd come up to him again, like the next day, and I'd be like, okay, well, what about this? And then, you know, I'd start asking him little things and then he was answering my questions. And I've had never, like, I've never really had a lot of people answer my questions about the Bible. He would actually answer them, not just kind of push it off or like, I don't know, man, you just gotta have faith or something like that, but he would actually answer them. And then he would back it up with scripture and I could go look at it and see it. And then he was like, well, how about this? We do a Bible study at work. And I sat with, you know, my little group that were wild and joking around. We just wanted to joke around and hang out the whole time. He was like, we'll just come over. And the first couple of times I did, it was weird. <laughs> like I didn't want to get up. Never, I've never been the type of person that's been scared of what anyone thought at all. But this time it was weird that I cared what people kind of thought about it. But I still got up and went over there. And then I kept going over there. And then eventually I just sat over there. And my friends asked me what I was doing a couple of times after a couple of days. And I'm like, oh, they're doing a Bible study over there. And you could tell they're like, Kyle, Bible study, you know, that's, that's, that's a little different. <laughs> but it's almost like I was afraid to change in front of people's eyes. What's the whole point of doing this? And the whole objective is to change? Isn't the whole objective is to quit putting them walls up so you can quit having the desires of your own heart? and have the desires above his heart. Like I said, little bit by little bit, I could feel a, I could feel a change and that I wanted to change. He just takes away those desires. I don't know. I don't know how to put it. He takes away your, like my old desires started to fall off and his started to come in. We were, you know, going through the Bible study at work, and I was asking Joe a lot of questions. And then we start getting up on having, like, communion, uh, you know, with, with others, you know. I mean, yeah, we had it there at lunch and everything like that. But Joe, he was like, well, why don't you try our church out? Why don't you try my church? And I was like, okay, what is it? You know, where is it? 
and he said, it's New Hope uh, Worship Center. And I was like, okay. And so I really enjoyed it, so I just kept coming. And then I'm definitely a believer. I believe, and, you know, I was like, well, I think the next step is baptism. We ended up going to the lake and get baptized. And we were able to get in the park, and then I go down, and, you know, Laney's family gets there, my, my grandparents get there, you know, baptize me and uh, brought me back up. And I actually remember telling him, like, sorry, man, that, that got to me. And he was like, well, yeah, it's supposed to. <laughs> I, after, I, after I ended up getting into Bible study and getting saved and everything, I was like, well, I got to tell people start my family. I mean, they're the people, you know, that's right there I can reach out and call. So I was like, hey, Dad, you want to go get something to eat? You know, I want to start talking to you about something. And he was like, yeah, sure, son. You know, like, whatever, you know. And I would use that as an opportunity to, <laughs> uh, to talk to him. You know, about uh, about how things have changed in my life. And I think a little bit by little bit, he was like, he's being serious. Like, he's not letting this go. This isn't just like some little phase. Slowly but surely, he started bringing up the topic. Like, every time we hung out, he started coming to church with me. Sometimes, even when I couldn't make it, he would still go one day. We had went to church, and then we were going to get something to eat. And uh, we had already eaten. We were talking about the Bible again, talking about things and talking about his message. And then all of a sudden, uh, my dad, he kind of quits talking a little bit. And I'm driving down the road, and I'm thinking, like, is he going to say anything? I look over, and he's doing this. And it looks like I didn't really ever see my dad tear up. He wasn't like that kind of guy. He was like a man's man. And it looks like almost like he's having a heart attack. I was like, oh, he's having a heart attack. I said, is your, is your arm numb? You know, <laughs> like, are you, is your chest all right? Do you feel okay with your chest? And he's like, no. And he's trying to get it out. He's trying to talk during this. And he was like, I just, I wanted to tell you. He was like, the other day, I was at your house. Uh, he said, I prayed for, you know, more patience and for Christ to take the temper away from me and like not let me deal with that anymore and not let me deal with certain things anymore and to just take that away from me. I've never seen him tear up before, really. And I was like, man, that's awesome, you know? I get excited, you know? And I'm like, Dad, I said, it sounds like you need to get baptized, man. Like, that's what it sounds like. This is the next step you know, to get baptized. And my dad, he's, you know, 65 years old and he's making now the decision to get baptized. And it, it's, it was really exciting to me. I know it was exciting to him, and it was on Father's Day. And to me, I'm like, man, this, this is awesome. Like, what better gift, you know, on Father's Day? He goes up there to get baptized, you know, and he gets baptized, and when he comes out of the water, he throws his hands up. And I'm like, where's all this coming from? This is, like, not my dad. Like, <laughs> he's, you know, <laughs> extremely excited, throwing his hands up. Uh, I can tell it was very sincere. So after he got saved, we still continued going out to eat, probably even more, you know. And uh, I remember my dad, uh, you know, calling me. He's like, yeah, well, you know, I'm sick. 
he said, I'm, I'm going down there to get uh, tested. And he tested positive uh, for COVID. He's not one to be there, you know, of course. Um, the next morning, uh, I get a phone call. And it's a doctor saying that, uh, that uh, put him on the ventilator. But I remember looking down, and I was like, one of the last texts uh, he, he, he sent me, he said, Kyle, I need your help. Uh, for some reason, Morgan and your mom <laughs> think I'm lying up here scared to death. He said, yes, I'm upset talking about some, uh, some things. That's because of my situation. He said, please try to make them understand. I have zero fear of dying. When the time comes for, uh, for me, I will walk with Jesus. Uh, please try to make them understand. I know Jesus, my Lord and Savior. Thanks, son. Uh, hopefully they will stop uh, bothering me. These people saying I'm scared. Uh, thanks for your help. Have a good day. I love you. I'm glad uh, God let me see that. Did he end up uh, passing away? Doctor uh, came in and she said, uh, she said, time of death, 12.15. And I said, time of life, 12.15. He's been pretty much everything. He is our Sabbath. He is our Savior. He is our Shepherd. He is our Eternal Father. He is our Counselor. He's our everything. Like, that's what He is. He's he's literally everything. He's 100% of everything. That's all His attributes, you know. I fish and hunt with some old buddies. Um, I mentioned something about going to church. His younger brother was like, Kyle, you really go to church now? <laughs> and I started laughing. I was like, yeah, man. I mean, why wouldn't I? And I'm like, my thing is like, I'm, I've told y'all, like, you know? Hamilton was like, well, look at that, Kyle. You found God. And I was like, I was like, yeah, man. And he said, are you going through like a midlife crisis or something? And I was like, wouldn't that be the opposite, Hamilton? Can we give God praise? Thank the Lord. Such a powerful, powerful story. Uh, I've seen that video now at least 10 times and I get choked up every stinking time. Thanks a lot, Kyle. I think he's over there in the balcony today. Um, such an incredible story. I, I had the incredible privilege of baptizing him um, a couple years ago, in August of 20, actually. It was during COVID and we weren't baptizing here at the church because of COVID and it was really a crazy time. And, and Joe Hudgens came to me one day and he said, hey, I got this guy that, you know, he's really excited about Jesus. He just got saved and he wants to get baptized. And, Will you go up to the lake and baptize him? I said, shoot, yeah, let's go. And we went up to the lake and, and we baptized him. He had some of his family there. It was an incredible moment, a very emotional moment, actually. And, uh, and then it wasn't many months later that he called me to tell me about that incident with his dad in the car. And he said, you know, my dad, he, the Lord's working in his heart and it's just this really exciting time. And he said, you know, um, I'm just so excited for him. And I said, that's really great, Kyle. And he said, no, you don't understand. My dad wanted nothing to do with God for my whole life. And now God's getting a hold of him and he was so excited, and then uh, we baptized him Father's Day last year in June, and you might have been here that day. It was a, I'll never forget that Sunday. We baptized about eight people, I think, that day. Two of them were men that were over the age of 60, that were giving their lives to Jesus for the first time, and it was so incredible. Kyle's dad was one of them, and then Buddy Murrow was the other one. That's Ms. Robin West's uh, brother, and it was just such an amazing 
emotional, powerful day to see the grace of God working in these guys' lives. And then, uh, and then for just a, a few short months later for uh, Mr. Phil to go home to be with Jesus, I just, I'm overwhelmed by the goodness of God that was demonstrated in his life. Uh, to know, for him to be on a ventilator and know, hey, I have no fear of dying because I'm gonna walk with Jesus when this is all over. Uh, such a great day and uh, such a great moment to celebrate with them. We wanted to share that with you today. There's actually much more to the story, but it would have taken a lot longer than just a, a short video on an Easter morning to share with you, but just a powerful display of God's goodness in their life. And You know, you might find yourself in, in this story. As I was saying, we all have a story, right? And maybe you find yourself in, in this story. Maybe it's part of the before Christ story for Kyle or for his father. You know, maybe you see yourself, you're at that place Kyle was five years ago where he's kind of curious about faith, but not really willing to do anything about it, you know, and was more skeptical and cynical than anything, kind of looking in the word, trying to find contradictions or half-truths that he could nitpick and pick apart, you know, maybe that's you, or maybe how he said he was intimidated by God for a season and really didn't know how to know him. Maybe that's where you're at today. Maybe you're where he was when he was scared to go over to Joe's table at the cafeteria at work for a Bible study because he was concerned about what other people would think. How many of us have to deal with that, right? I mean, I'm blessed that almost all of my family loves Jesus, so it's not it's not a challenge for me, but a lot of you are in families where people don't know Jesus and they, if you get excited, passionate, and radical in your faith that they might look at you differently and that can be a challenge too. Or maybe you're where Mr. Phil was for decades in his life where he didn't care anything about God, where he was running. And he was far from God and didn't care at all for a long, long time. Can I tell you though, if you're, if you're in one of those stories, if you're at a place where you're just, just not sure or you're just downright running from God, the only difference between you and Kyle and his dad is that they finally came to a place in their life where they realized there's got to be more. There's got to be more to this life. You see, I believe all of us know that no matter where you are in this faith journey because the Bible tells us clearly that God has put eternity in our hearts. Every one of us is hardwired for eternity. Every one of us is designed to be in relationship with our God. Some of us just don't know how to get there. That's why Jesus is so important. He is the one that comes in and makes that relationship with God possible for each and every one of us in our life. And I can tell you that until you are willing to make that commitment to step into the water and go into the deep end with your heavenly father, you're gonna continue to live on the fringe. You're gonna be in a perpetual test drive of your faith, which breeds nothing but frustration, cynicism, doubts, and skepticism in your life. And you might be here today and say, well, you know, I really want to love God more, but I just don't feel like you feel. I don't feel like Kyle feels or Mr. Phil or Buddy or those people that you see get excited and passionate about their God. But can I tell you, the only way you're going to get to that place in your life is if you put God in his rightful place in your heart. And that is to where he is above everything else in your life, where we give him the highest place. You know, when we sing songs on a Sunday morning, it's not just to make us feel good and see how good we can sing. It's worshiping him. It's elevating him to the highest place in our life. It's one of the ways we worship is through singing. But another way is just by giving him our life and living our life in such a way that we are saying, God, my life is yours. You are first. I am after you. And my life is yours in every way. You know, your story may be a little different than Kyle's and his dad's. Maybe more similar to mine. My story's not like theirs. 
My story is different. My story is me growing up in church trying to be a good person. I was religious. My faith was transactional. It wasn't relational. My faith was transactional. It was about me doing enough good things so that God would notice me, so that God would look at me with favor and he would be glad about me because look how good I'm doing, God. If you'd have known me and been in my life when I was a teenager, you would have thought, that's a pretty good kid. I was in church all the time. But can I tell you, I was as lost as I could be. I didn't need to get set free from drugs and alcohol and, and, and being wild and promiscuous, but I definitely was bound up. We all have to be set free from something, all of us. And the only one that can really set us free with longevity and solidify us and actually change who we are is Jesus. He actually changes our DNA. The Bible says that when you become a, a new creation in Christ, the old is gone, the new has come. He can actually delete the old things in your life and make you a brand new person. But he's the only one who can do that in our life. What if I told you today that I believe you are here for a purpose, that you came in here today for a reason, that it wasn't just because it was Easter and you decided to come to church, but you're here for a reason. I can tell you that because I believe that nobody but nobody comes through those doors on accident. I believe, I'm crazy enough to believe that God is sovereign and that he is always trying to put us on a collision course with him to experience his great love, to experience a life of relationship with him. In fact, Proverbs 16 tells us, it says, in his heart, a man plans his course, but the Lord determines his steps. The Lord determines all of our steps. And you're not here today by accident. And I can tell you that God's call on each and every one of our lives is the same in some respects. One of those respects is that we are all called to worship him above all else. We are called to live a life of putting him in, his, in the first place, in his rightful place. And you may say, I, I, I wanna feel what you guys feel. I wanna feel what people that are just passionately in love with Jesus feel. If I could feel that, I would get in the water. But can I tell you, the, a lot of times the feelings can be up and down. But the, the, the emotion, the passion, the drive, the conviction, a lot of times it comes as we build this relationship with Jesus. You know, this journey of faith is exactly that. It's a journey. It's about, it's about stepping in this journey of faith. It's similar to a marriage relationship. If you're married and you're here today, okay? When you were newlywed, you're probably like me and Joy, when we were newlyweds thinking, wow, we got the greatest relationship in the history of relationships. I mean, everybody's jealous of us. I can't believe all these people that have been married 30, 40 years, they don't even know what marriage is like compared to us. We've just got it figured out. We got it going on. And now we're 22 years down the road and we look back at the 22 years ago, Reagan and Joy, and we laugh hysterically because we knew nothing. We knew nothing. We, didn't, we barely knew each other. You know, and I mean, I'm thinking sometimes like, I can't believe our parents let us get married. We were so ridiculous. And here we are 22 years later and we know what we can finish each other's sentences and our commitment to each other is greater than it's ever been because we've continued to grow in this relationship. My emotions towards my wife are much stronger today than they were 22 years ago. And it's the same thing in our relationship with Jesus. I am more passionate today about Jesus than I've ever been. And 20 years ago in my relationship with Jesus, I was up and down and oh, I'm struggling and yeah, I love God, but man, I really want to do all, I, I, just all these other struggles. Not to say I don't have those today, but my feelings, my passion, my conviction for Jesus 
a lot of it is based on my history too and walking with him and growing in that conviction. Sometimes you get the blessing like, like Kyle where you just get overwhelmed with the love of God and you, have no, you feel like you have no choice but to just tell the world that you love Jesus. But sometimes it's about just making the choices to continue to walk this out. I can promise you that it's worth it, church. I can promise you there's no greater relationship in the world. And not only that, I believe with all my heart, we all have a hole in our heart that only God can fill. I really do believe it. Now, we're all guilty of trying to fill it with other things. Every one of us try to fill it with success or money or stuff or relationships or drugs or alcohol or television or music or something. We try to fill that hole with other things, but evidently and, and inevitably, I should say, it always comes back to the same place of feeling empty because those things cannot fulfill us. The only thing that can fulfill us is the love of our Heavenly Father. Would you stand with me, please, this morning? I really want to pray for us today. And listen, please don't tune me out. I just need a couple more minutes of your time, okay? I said earlier, there's hundreds of stories in this room, right? And that's true. But really, at the end of the day, there's really only two ends to our stories. There's those of us that are going to be with Jesus in eternity forever. And there's those of us that are going to be separated from God forever in eternity. And I know even in the church today, this is not a real popular topic to talk about, but the Bible is crystal clear that there is a heaven and there is a hell. And there's going to be people that are gonna to go to heaven and be with Jesus, and there's gonna be people that are gonna be separated from him and be in hell for eternity. And I can tell you today, unequivocally, the people that are going to heaven are not the really good people. It has nothing to do with how good you are. I was a really, really good young person, but I was far from God. And if I'd have died in that time, I don't think I would have been with Jesus for eternity because I did not understand what it, was, what it took to be part of the family of God. So heaven is not for all the good people that have done all the best things. Heaven is for the people that have put their life in Jesus and said, I cannot do this on my own. I know I can never match your holiness on my own. The only way we're going to have right standing with God to be the righteousness of God in our life is for him to look at us through the lens of Jesus and by the blood of the lamb covering us. And that is about committing to living your life for him, receiving what he did for you on the cross, believing that he is Lord and Savior, that he did rise again, that he is at the right hand of the Father, and committing to live your life for him. This is not transactional. I'm not asking you to say a quick prayer today and then go off and watch TV this afternoon and do your thing because it's not transactional, it's relational. This faith is about living in relationship with Jesus. He paid the price for you, not just so you can go to heaven when you die, but so you can have a relationship with him today. Today is what he wants. He wants your whole life. So some of you have never given him your life. You've never committed to him. You've just dipped your toes in the water occasionally. Can I challenge you today to jump in the pool? The water's fine. And some of you have given your life to him and then you've walked away and then you've come back and recommitted and you've walked away and you've come back and you've done it so many times in your life, you lost count. That's okay. He never, ever rejects us. Never. Can I challenge you today, if you've walked away, if you've been apathetic in your faith, and you've just kind of been living on the fringe of faith, can I encourage you today to give him everything? I promise you he's worth it. I promise you. Kyle said he started to change his desires. 
God takes those things in our life when we really give our life to him. He takes those things and he puts us in him and we start to have his desires. It's a beautiful thing. But he can only do that if we give him our lives. So I'm gonna pray for us corporately, but then I want you, if you want prayer and you wanna talk to someone, we're gonna have prayer leaders right across the hall here in our Dream Team Central that would love to pray for you, love to give you next steps, love to walk with you through this. We don't want you just to be left alone. We wanna help you as you take this journey. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you today. We thank you for your word because we know that it is truth. We know that it is life to all who will receive it. God, let our hearts be good soil today. I pray that this word today, Father, that it would, this would be a landmark day in the lives of many. That we would be able to look back and say, Easter 2022, I gave my life to Jesus. I didn't just ask him to save me, but I gave him my life. Lord, I pray you would do that in the hearts of those that are here today. God, for those of us that have been running from you and far from you, God, help them see that all they need to do is turn around and you're there. And for those of us that have waffled so many times, God, Lord, I thank you today that you do not reject us, that you never leave us, and that you're just waiting with open arms for us to come back, just like the story of the prodigal son, that you will run to meet us when we start coming back to you. We thank you for that today, God. We love you and we bless you, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen, amen. God bless you.